As I walk amongst these foundations, I see concrete into solid rock, firm and sound. I remember walking amongst the foundations of the old city of Corinth. Rubble, not so firm, not so solid and grounded. Yet Paul writes to the people in Corinth in his first letter to the Corinthians. And we learn what's good about the church. God has built for us a solid foundation, sound and firm. Jesus is the head of our church. Amen, Northbridge family, Jesus is the head of our church. Amen. Hey, well, good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. It is such a privilege for my wife Meg and I to be here and gather together with this family here at Northwich. You guys are family for us. We love you big time. And it is so good to be back here right now and to celebrate as well, Andrew and Naomi. But before we get into all of that, why don't we pray? And I want to jump straight into the Bible this morning. So if you do have a Bible with you, uh, this is the passage we're going to open to which is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17 to 24. So I'll give you just a quick moment to open that one up, and then we'll pray together. But it is so good to be together this morning. You got it? Found it? Let's do it. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you are here. And God, we just acknowledge at the start of this service that you are the reason that we gather. You are the one that we celebrate. Lord Jesus, you are the most important thing to us as a family. And God, I just pray humbly as we come before you and we open up your Bible this morning, this this, uh, spirit-breathed book that you've given us, Lord, would you move amongst this family? Would you encourage us? Would you grow us? Would you strengthen us? Would we leave here more in love with you than when we came in? If you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Hey, well, it's so good to be here. We're going to jump straight into this passage and uh, let's do it. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 17 starts like this. Nevertheless, so we're going to have to deal with that, I guess. Nevertheless, Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule that I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? Or should uh, he should not then become uncircumcised? Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and non and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were when God called them. We're talking about calling this morning. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let that trouble you. Although if you can get your freedom, do so. For the Lord is one. Who were, uh, sorry, for the law, for the one, sorry, who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called is Christ's slave. You were brought with a price, bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human 
beings. So it's so good to be here this morning with you all. But as you can see, uh, you thought that I was brought here to do this cute handover thing um, with the youth pastor, the youth pastor thing. But really, they threw me under the bus, giving me the passage with circumcision and slavery. So we know the real reason why I was invited this morning. Who's going to preach this one? I know which schmuck we can give it to. What about Will? He can take this one. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Gary. So whew, this is what we've got this morning. How are we feeling? We ready? Feeling all right? Awesome. So good. So the topic that I've been given today is this. What is good about God's call? What is good about God's call? And as I was reflecting on this question, I think another really important question came to mind. And that is this one. What is God's call? Do you think that's a valid question to ask? going to talk about what's good about God's call, we first of all need to define what it is. Can I just start by saying I loved hearing Andrew's heart just then share the call that God gave him to come to Northridge. Was that special? I think that's so exciting. Today we're talking about call. But, but this call that we're talking about in this passage today, I want to argue might be a bit different to the one that Andrew was talking about. What is this passage talking about? When it talks about you who were called. What comes to your mind when I talk about calling? I don't know about you, but when I think about what's God's call on my life, I think about, you know, big decisions to make, about profession and about family and about finances. What's God calling me to do? What are we talking about when we ask, what is God's call? Well, to answer that question, I want to jump back a little bit in 1 Corinthians. I know we've been in a series where we've been working through some of this. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says this. We're talking about God's call this morning. God is faithful, the passage says. God is faithful, who has, say it with me, called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Say it with me. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and God's Son. So what do we find immediately about calling in this passage? Well, first of all, the thing that I notice is that this calling is into Jesus. you like, so often when I think about calling, I think about into a job, true, or into a situation. But here, we have been called into fellowship with Jesus. See that distinction? There's something significant in this passage. What do we talk about when we talk about God's calling? Another thing I notice is that when I think about being faithful to my call, the call that God has given me, I notice in this passage that someone's faithful and it's not me. Who is it? God is faithful who has called you. So there's a, there's a distinction here, right? What is this calling we're talking about this morning? Let's, let's keep going in verse 24 of chapter 1. This is just the start of 1 Corinthians. But to those whom God has, let's go again. But for, to those whom God has called, nice, thank you. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
So in this calling, so often we think about job or something like that, but we're being called into Jesus. This passage highlights that this calling is actually a gift that we've received. It's less a task for me to do and something that God has given us, a deep calling. It's, it's been bestowed upon us along with wisdom and power. Let's keep going. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were. Not many of you were wise. That gets really flattering in this bit. Ready? Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. Well, thanks a lot, Paul. That's really nice. Not many of you were those things when you were called. So this calling that we're talking about this morning clearly can't have anything to do with a particular social status. True? being noble or a particular strength or wisdom or giftings or these sorts of things, whatever this specific calling is that we're talking about this morning, it must be something other than what we can do, what we can earn. This calling must be all about Jesus. And finally, I want to jump right back to the start. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2 says this, To the church of God in Corinth, those to those sanctified in Christ and to be his holy people. So often when I think about calling, I think about, God, what, what's the personal individual call you've placed on my life? But when I read this here, I see a whole church being called. True? Do you see that as well? A whole church is being called to those, a community sanctified in Christ Jesus. Not about what we're doing, but about Christ Jesus called to be his holy people. This family is the gospel story, isn't it? The gospel story, the reason we're here, the reason we love gathering together, the reason we love Jesus is because it's nothing about what we could ever do. True? It's not about what we've done. It's all about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have been called into Jesus called into what He has already done for us, not called into what we have to do for ourselves. Are we together? Called is what we're talking about this morning. This is the beautiful gospel story. So if that's the case, if the specific calling we're talking about this morning isn't about what job do I do or what, how do I make this big decision, what is this calling about? The calling that God has called each and every one of us into is to live lives in the light of the truth of who Jesus is. To live every part of our life in the light of that truth. To seek to live our lives in response to the gospel. Here's how the passage puts it that we started off with just before. It says, each person... Each person should, read it with me, live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Live as a believer. This is the challenge of this passage. In fact, the challenge of all of 1 Corinthians. Paul's helping the church in Corinth realize what does it mean, not just to understand what Jesus has done for us, but to put that in practice in our lives, to live in response to it. Recently, uh, I don't know if you guys have had any experience with virtual reality. Have you heard of this before, virtual reality? 
VR, it is the most amazing trippy stuff. Essentially, you're putting on this set of goggles. And as soon as you put on the goggles, you feel like you've been transported into a whole other world. Has anybody had an experience with virtual reality? You've played around with this stuff before? It's amazing stuff. You've got to check it out if you haven't had a chance. But I was recently at a gathering, a bunch of different uh, youth workers from around the city, chaplains in particular from around the city were gathered there. And they had one of these headsets. And so what happens is I watched everybody else do it and thought, oh, I can do this better than them. So I put on the goggles and I appeared on it like a town street, like a road, you know what I mean? And, and I got to let you know that while I was in this vision, while I was inside these goggles, I could still feel the air con blowing on me. Like I didn't feel like I was in a town street. I, I could still feel my friends talking around me and the instructor standing right next to me. Like I knew... I wasn't in that town street, but I, I, was, I was virtually there through these goggles. And so what the instructor said was, all right, Will, um, have a look around and then turn around and walk into the elevator that's behind you. And so I walked in and these elevator doors close. Remember, I, I still know that I'm not in an elevator, right? But I watched these elevator doors close and all of a sudden, the lights start moving and it's as if I'm going up into the air. The elevator doors open and I'm standing at the top of this massive skyscraper with a walk of the plank out in front of me. And the doors open, I can see birds, I can see helicopters, this sort of thing. And I have to, the challenge, the activity was to take a step onto that plank and walk all the way to the end. You guys are looking at me like I'm ridiculous. It was really hard. I was on the floor. I could hear my friends. I could feel the air con, but they put this little plank down. It was probably about an inch. I stepped up onto this plank and I just, I just, I felt my knees buckle beneath me. And all of a sudden, like I knew that I was on the floor, but it was so hard for me to make. And my friends are just laughing at me. You know, I look so, I'm this high off the ground. So I'm this high off the ground, but I'm shaking and I'm freaking out. It was, I was sweating. I was seriously stressed out going into this machine. It was really crazy. It looked cartoony, but I still, it felt so real. Here's the thing. In that situation, as I was standing there shaking, my beliefs, my beliefs were true. My beliefs were true. I knew that I was actually on the ground in a safe room. I wasn't up a skyscraper, true? My beliefs were right. I had that head knowledge, but my actions <laughs> weren't with me. You know what I mean? My actions, my response was different to what my beliefs were. There was a, there was a disconnect and it felt really weird to have that disconnect. Can I tell you, I think in the Christian life, sometimes we experience something like that. True, we've got some certain beliefs about who God is, who we are in God, and yet our actions seem very different to that. We don't live as if those beliefs are true all of the time. Are you with me? I, I feel like this is what's going on a little bit in the church in Corinth. You see, Paul came through and they all gave their lives to Jesus. The whole church was born. Beautiful story. You can read about it in Acts. But then... Paul left and he started getting letters, hearing rumors, hearing stories that whatever was going on in Corinth wasn't lining up with the gospel story. 
the people believed it, believed in Jesus. And yet their actions were starting to get really bizarre and really weird when it comes to how do we respond to Jesus. So in this passage, Paul throws out two examples of this. And I want to fly through it really quickly. There were those two we started off with, circumcision and slavery. So here's the passage. It says this. Was a man already circumcised when he was called or should he become uncircumcised? Was a man uncircumcised when he, uh, sorry, he should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Now, again, they threw me under the bus for circumcision, but actually really kindly, um, Andrew has offered, if anyone has any questions about circumcision, he's, he's offered just after the service to meet with you. Apparently, he's got graphs and charts and diagrams. So if, make sure you take him off on that offer if you're not exactly sure what we're talking about. But circumcision, this outward sign that Jews were Jews. And so what was going on in the church was essentially that a bunch of Gentiles, non-Jewish people, were thinking, all right, we're a part of the church now. Does that mean we've got to do the Jew thing? Like we've got to get circumcised? And a bunch of Jews were thinking, oh, now that we're not needing circumcision anymore, now that we're saved by Jesus, maybe we can try and reverse the process and therefore get a little bit more social status. This is sort of the conversation that was going on. They were trying to work out how do we change now because of Jesus? How do we change our status? But here, Jesus, I mean, Paul responds by saying that way of thinking is rubbish. That way of thinking means nothing anymore. Because being a follower of Jesus isn't about your social status. It's not about what you've done to your body in the past. Being a follower of Jesus is all about Him. This is accepting the call of Christ. He says all of these other things are rubbish. I think in our church, we can do the same thing all the time. We have these little things in our minds where we think, I would be holier if only I could... True? If I, if I could get to Bible college, then I would... Once the kids grow up and get out of the house, then I'll finally be able to when it comes to Jesus, you know what I mean? In my relationship with him, we set ourselves up with these, maybe I should in order to love Jesus. But here, Paul is saying that all of that is rubbish. What we are called to do is to live whatever situation we find ourselves in, live as a believer. Step into our calling as a believer. This unifies the church. What is good about God's call? It means that no matter who you are, where you've come from, what you've done, no matter your background, that in this place, in God's beautiful family, we are made one. Because it's all about Him. We are so desperate as humans sometimes, I know I am, to find ways to divide us up. But Paul's saying that's not how we do it in this church. When you step into the calling of God, we are all called. Therefore, we are all unified. The second thing, what's good about God's call? The second thing that's good about God's call is that it empowers us where we are. 
Now, there's a whole lot to talk about in the, in the topic of slavery that we're not going to be able to get into this morning. We're just going to fly through. But the passage says this, where you were, were you a slave, sorry, when you were called, don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. One of the jobs that I'm working in at the moment is in Cleveland Youth Detention Center. And uh, the nature of that role is when young people have committed crimes and they're in detention, they have their freedoms taken from them, true? Some certain freedoms are, are removed from them. They can't make the decisions about their life that they would want to. I want to go out. I want to do this. I want to do that. Certain freedoms, now it's very humane, it's great in there, but certain freedoms are removed. That's part of the detention process. So if discerning the call of God is all about choosing a career, choosing what you want to do with your day, working out how you're going to deal with your finances, if that is what God's call on your life is all about, then what we're saying is that young people in youth detention can't step into the call of God. True? True? Because they can't make those choices. The call of God has to be something bigger than that. In the same way, Paul's saying to servants and slaves that if you were called as a slave, if God came into your life, invited you to follow him when you were a slave, you are an equal participant in the freedom that's available to everybody else. And you can step in and walk in freedom today, here and now. Your social status has nothing to do with your relationship with God. Nobody is excluded from this divine calling. God empowers us where we are. Slaves, they have the freedom to stay slaves or not. Step into the calling of God is the offer that Paul speaks of here. So what is good about God's call? It's that in every situation, whatever the situation, whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your background, we are all invited to live as a believer. I'd love to invite the music team up to the stage, if that's okay. Uh, We're not going to have a song after this. All good. Live as a believer. Here's what I think is going on in this passage. I believe there's two, at least two different types of calling. And I'll bring this to a close here. Two different types of calling. There's a primary calling and a secondary calling. In this passage, I believe Paul helps us to understand what our primary calling is. And that is a calling that is relevant for every single person here today, regardless of your standing, regardless of your circumstance. And that is to live your life in response to the gospel of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, live life as a believer, Paul commands and invites us into. Live your life as a believer. View every situation through the context of the gospel, what Jesus has done. Paul uses the example of Jew and Gentile. Regardless of that, live life as a believer. If you find yourself on one of these secondary issues, leave it secondary. Live life as a believer. Paul says, slave or free, if you find yourself in this situation or that situation, you can deal with it. You can change it if you want. But the most important thing, live your life as a believer. 
Remain where you were. Live now in response to the gospel. This whole passage is found in a conversation about singleness and marriage. It's saying the same thing. Whether God's got that in your future, He's had that in your past and it was yuck, you're in a married relationship right now, whatever situation you find yourself in, Paul says, live now your life as a believer. Step into calling today. Not focusing on those secondary issues. What does that look like for us here and now? I think it looks like this. That as we live our lives as believers, we might find ourselves in a whole list of secondary callings. There might be a whole bunch of different things that God calls you into. Plumbers, mothers, bankers, overseas missionaries, photographers, prisoners. God might call us into all sorts of things. We might find ourselves in all these situations when God calls us. The invitation is to step into responding to the love of Jesus. Live lives in response to the gospel. Can I just finish by, finish by saying this? That I think this is one of the things that I love most about our brother, Andrew. Is that when Andrew Hassan, when I first met him, I met a man. Is this slide changing for me? Go to the next slide, please. I met a man who is passionate about following Jesus with his life. Being a pastor, having a position and stuff, that's awesome. And God has really clearly called Andrew into that. But that is a secondary calling on his life. And I see it lived out by him. That in all of his different roles, in all of his different places and contributions, that Andrew seeks to live his life as a believer seeks to live his life in response to the gospel. And right now, what that looks like for him is having heard a profound and real secondary calling to be a part of this family and to lead us in a way that points us to Jesus. Does that make sense? I think we can honor this man for that reason. And I'm so excited to watch your ministry unfold, brother. And I love this about you, that your end goal isn't to be a pastor. Your end goal is to be a disciple of Jesus, to follow him with your whole life. And your application of that can be these and so many more things. Can I pray for you and for all of us in that context? Let's do that. Lord God, we thank you so much that you are present here today. And we thank you that today you have called us all to live in response to the good news of Jesus, to live in response to the gospel, Thank you that whatever situation we find ourselves in, you call us to remain faithful, serving you in that place. And as those situations come and go and jobs change and life circumstances change, thank you that our primary calling doesn't. Help us to love you with all we have and to live our lives as believers. Amen.